From the dark web to your radio dial, you are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. This week, I'm joined by Javier and Bethany of TechQuarry, and we're talking about forward-thinking tech services, solutions, just the the tech uh, job market and ecosystem here in San Antonio, uh, how things are going, how it's it's evolved over the the past few years, and uh, getting their insights and perspective on uh, where it's headed from here. Uh, If you are new to CyberTalk Radio, uh, we are on weekly. Uh, We have a website at www.cybertalkradio.com, as well as you can find all of our past episodes on your favorite podcasting service. I happen to use Pocket Cast on Android myself, but uh, iTunes or uh, anywhere else you'd like to find us, if you do have a favorite podcasting service and we're not there, uh, please find us on Twitter uh, or Facebook. Let us know, and uh, we will... Uh, get the content up there so that you can listen to uh, all sorts of things that we've covered here, whether it's uh, education in the cybersecurity world, uh, whether it's talking about uh, artificial intelligence and how that's changing things, or a topic similar to this one. Uh, We just had on Janine Wild from TechBlock, who is the tech recruiter now for uh, our ecosystem overall uh, out there working to help uh, the whole thing grow. Uh, so Janine was on talking about what TechBlock's doing and why uh, it's important to uh, get the message out about all the opportunities in San Antonio, why it's important uh, for the ecosystem to get the message out um, about all of the opportunities that are happening here because uh, things are growing and changing pretty quickly. Uh, cybersecurity worldwide, we just had a, a big uh, announcement from uh, Lockheed Martin uh, filling up Uh, part of the new uh, tech building out at Port San Antonio. If you wanted to learn more about that, uh, past episodes as well, Jim Pershbach uh, was on talking about that with us. So, uh, Bethany, Javier, uh, thank you for both uh, coming on and joining us on the program this week. Uh, So, uh, with Tech Quarry, it would be helpful for our listeners to learn a little bit of the the background. Uh, I mean, why go off and start your your own uh, business? Uh, What was the, the need you saw out there? Uh, that led you to create Tech Quarry. Over a decade ago, I discovered the industry, really. So, you know, I was pre-med at the time, and I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to really help people from a very uh, systemic, strategic perspective and uh, really help people to have a better quality of life. And uh, a li- f- from being a little bit of a uh, perfectionist at that time, I I learned a lot about the medical industry that really steered me away from it. And, and so... You know, the concerns at the time that I would spend 10 years to become a physician. And I didn't necessarily agree with the approaches that I had to take on solving certain solutions within the human body. And uh, if I was more passionate about holistic approaches and, and being able to be more into preventative medicine, which actually uh, had me looking into medical device sales. While I was looking at medical device sales for osteopathic medicine, I actually stumbled onto the technology professional services arena. Field it out, felt it out for a few months, and um, I, I jumped into it with a large company that was forming an office in San Antonio. And uh, right away, within the first six to nine months, I was asked to present to the CEO and the regional managing directors. Uh, flew into Dallas, and I, I really dug in deep and learned that it wasn't that difficult to do well if you just took a different approach and you made things about people and really cared about the solutions. And um, at the same time, I discovered a lot of brokenness within the industry. And so it, it struck up a passion, my passion to do things the right way, to 
to help people and, and to provide, you know, holistic, really good, uh, meaningful, purposeful solutions. And at that point, I started planning to to try to fix the industry, at least within an organization that I would develop. And I was talking to a lot of other very strong people in the industry, at competitors and stuff like that, and telling them, look, like, you know, I, I have a passion to design out a new business model to fix a lot of the rampant problems within the industry. And over the years, built some alliances and, uh, you know, got a couple of people to co-found with me. And we, we created the Tech Quarry ecosystem and the Tech, Tech Quarry platform. Uh, and that's really where the idea came from and why we did it. And then Bethany, how did you get involved? Uh, my my background previously is in hospitality, so I definitely have a soft spot for people and helping them. Um, really have enjoyed that industry. Stumbled across through some connections, this crazy, I'll, I'll call it a crazy world of IT. Um, and they, they got me into it, and I've loved it ever since. Told me that I'd be great in it. It would give me the people aspect, but also keep me tapped into technology, which was be the best, best of both worlds for me. Yeah, so I, I feel like many of our listeners have a, a love-hate relationship with technology. Like it's frustrating. There's security problems with things all the time. But as I was uh, out giving a, a presentation recently to a, a professional audience, and I asked the audience to raise their hand on how many people want to give up their email. Even though they know there's phishing attacks, there's super sophisticated phishing attacks these days, not a single hand went up in the room. So as you're out there talking with business professionals, that they, they know they have to have technology in their business, but they, they're frustrated with it and by it all the time. How does that conversation go for, for y'all? Well, for me, I view technology as a tool and I associate it because of my background a lot with the human body. You know, the human body is a, uh, a network of systems that work together, hopefully in harmony to uh, provide a good outcome, right? And so when I talk about these things, I see technology as those same systems and they can amplify the negative or they can amplify the positive. But part of that depends on the common denominator of the human being and how the human technology works and where your mindset is and what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, where your emotional intelligence is at, right? Because if we're overly stressed and, and our systems aren't working correctly, that's going to cause a bigger problem. And, and it depends on how your teams are working together. So, you know, I, I take a, a very big approach on, on more of looking at values, what you're trying to accomplish, and then then look at technology as a tool to get you to where you want to be in the right direction that your compass is pointed, if that yeah. makes sense. About. I would agree. And on the technology side, I think a lot of it is driven from us from, from fear, right? The fear that we don't understand the system, we don't understand what it's doing, we don't know when we're going to be attacked by something with an email. Um, but just trying to understand where that fear is coming from, why it's there, and then taking maybe a step back and, and getting educated on it or having people that can help help you within your company to educate on it. You know, technology is excellent, but it can be very scary. Yeah. So with the, the Tech Quarry platform, you said you kind of take a well, holistic view of coming in to talk uh, with folks, look at the tools they're using, what business problems they're trying to, to solve. Uh, and... It's one I find interesting. I think everyone wants to approach the problem that way. How do you handle the, the customer or person that calls up and says, hey, I just have this tool. This tool's broken. I want you to fix the tool. And they don't want to talk about anything else beyond their broken tool and how they think you should fix it. This is like the, the patient coming into the doctor's office saying, 
I've got this lump on my foot. I want you to do surgery and cut the lump off. And you're like, well, you're not the medical professional. I feel like we, in the IT world, you get the customers that are and businesses that are completely afraid of the tech. They're confused by it. They know they have to use it, but they don't really like it. And then you've got the other folks that want to play house doctor and diagnose that everything is lupus, which it's not, by the way. If anyone watches house out there, it's only lupus on house. So how do you handle those customers that are trying to diagnose themselves and then just want you to solve their, their tool problem for them? Really, the approach is finding out what, what they need or what they want, where their, where their paradigm is, what, what they believe that they want, what they think that they want, and really getting to understand them. And, and through that understanding, it's communicated that there's some trust, right? And so you build the trust with them. You generally go in and, and try to find out you know, where the problems are, where the pain is, like a doctor. And it's funny you say that because... I, I was actually trained by Xerox and it's, you know, it's a very triage approach where you go in and you understand your customer, you find out where the pain points out are. And then from there, you can, through questioning and through guidance, you know, help them to see a solution. Uh, but really it's backing up and, and trying to find out, you know, why do they want to fix this problem? What are they using this technology for? What, what is, how is the problem affecting other areas around them? And, you know, what is the overall goal of the organization? And, and uh, you know, people don't always want a systemic view or a holistic view on things, but ultimately the, the big picture of the business is for everything to work into harmony and to be as effective as possible. So that's normally how the discussions start, but it's really finding out what they need and then expanding on there to help them get what they need accomplished. And just to add to that, when they do come in and they're kind of um, triaging themselves, I guess we should say, is you know, a lot of times, again, it's just kind of acknowledging their pain because usually it's driven by pain and fear. They have a system that is just taking it's their business. driven by that lump on my foot. I yes. want it cut off. I, I want it gone. I want it fixed. I want it now. So, you know, acknowledging that pain and saying we are going to fix that, um, potentially doing quick wins so that they can get a little bit of relief because, again, usually it's caused because of fear or something's going wrong, and then kind of slowly, gradually leading them down that path to where, you know, maybe they're not – that the foot's not bleeding anymore um, that they have – they can really dive into things. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned quick wins, right? So w we take a, a bit of a different approach. It's, it's uh, historically, it's you know, there's a lot of uh, people or organizations that come in and talk about what they can do, and it's a very, very big picture, and it's you know, pie in the sky, and it's going to take this long. You know, we like to show people what we can do. It, it's you know, come in and talk to them, feel their pain points, and maybe fix a problem within a week, within a couple days. We've actually gone into meetings before. And within 15 minutes, showed them how we could fix, have a solution done right, right in front of them. Right? Yeah. And so it's showing them how we can make improvements in, in not so much talking, but showing. So as you're, you're going out there and, and working with folks on this, so um, another scenario I see on a regular basis is a company has somebody working for them that has a side interest of technology. And they come in and they set up. SharePoint. They set up all sorts of things. They automate a bunch of business processes. They do a bunch of things. And then they move on to something else in life. And now these systems are there and they start to decay. And they're trying to hire somebody else. So they go, well, this person that just left, like their day job was this set of skills. So we have to have those skills to hire them for their day job. But then the other stuff they did was all these tech things. So they try to go post a, a job rec that says, hey, I need you to be a physician's assistant and a SharePoint expert. And they go post this job rec for a physician's assistant with a SharePoint expertise. 
and then no one fills it and the system just continues to decay over time until it's eventually broken um it, uh when you guys are are seeing this out in your business as well or am i off in my own bubble in the world that's i would say that's pretty common and is that as budgets get tight in certain areas that becomes more common you could have maybe three positions in one i mean this is 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 one that i find interesting we talk a good amount about technology training here is i like something would you recommend to clients like if they have somebody in the office that is tech interested to go get some tech education to be able to become that multifaceted person or is it better to, to work with a specialist provider uh for their tech systems and operations and maintenance over time so really the approach that we take is, is is really finding out what the overall objective is of the organization, right? And really kind of taking a step back to see what is going on because we, we don't like coming in to put in Band-Aids because, uh, you know, some people like to just put on Band-Aids or they don't take a step back, right? So everything that we look at, we're looking at uh, three a three-pronged approach from holistic operations, uh, innovation, and digital transformation, right? And But every company is unique and some people are at different stages, so it... They don't necessarily need some of those components or the, the, the change would be too drastic or too hard to adopt at that moment. And so, but we need to, in a sense, triage them first. But, uh, but yes, so to answer your question, there are instances where they could maybe tr have somebody come in and train their employees, especially if they're going down the innovation road and they're really wanting to adopt new technologies that are gonna help them evolve into the future. Well, instead of getting rid of an employee, maybe they could train up an employee because they have a lot of intellectual knowledge in their mind from past history and culture and relationships. So they could it would be more difficult to try and just go find somebody that has that skill set versus maybe training them up. But it's a case by case basis. Sometimes they need a new person. Yeah, I think what I, I heard you say maybe is that the combination of industry experience plus technology skills is becoming more important. Um, that just having technology skills but no understanding of how medical practice runs or no understanding of how a law practice runs or whatever the business is, if you don't understand their business processes, you won't be able to, to put the right technology solution into place. Absolutely, and that's becoming more and more prevalent in uh, everywhere because you know in the past it used to be that the CE CIO was more of like an order taker from the CEO. The CEO would say, hey, you know, CIO – Go uh, tell your guys to go push some buttons and make this happen. Now the CIO has moved up into the right-hand man of the CEO, and the CEO is leaning on the CIO to help improve revenue generation, to help improve efficiency, to lower costs for the CFO and the operations team. And so th really the CIO has to understand from a business perspective, and that's trickling down into the teams where the, the team members need to know the overall objective and understand the business and have the soft skills and the team skills and the communication skills to be able to effectively get the job done. So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and uh, we're talking about uh, the tech ecosystem, kind of how businesses are approaching technology for innovation and digital transformation these days. So if you uh, just turn the radio on, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this on Tuesday, July 17th. It'll go up on our website, uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so you'll see the links to everything posted there as well. Uh, if you would uh, like to be a guest of the program or you do have any questions, uh, you can contact us through www.cybertalkradio.com. So, yeah, you've been around in the industry for the better part of a decade. So if, if I rewind back a decade ago, the iPhone just came out. Uh, 
and the App Store. Maybe that was 2008. Maybe that was 2009. I think the if, if any of those that you don't remember, the original iPhone, there was no App Store. There were just the apps that were installed on the phone. So I think everyone has this view that like a technology moves pretty quickly, um, but and it also moves slowly in a way. Everyone's like, well, the tools haven't changed. We're still using email. We're still doing all these things in the same way. But I mean, I, I think we've seen a, a good amount of change from my perspective, is, is you're out there interacting with clients, uh, customers, and businesses that are trying to use tech. What are some of the things that you're seeing different now versus uh, back when you, you started on this? A lot of what I'm seeing is they're starting to bring in technology tools to captivate that um, relationship portion. So building out a company Facebook, say, to where you can interact. You know, we have Slack. We have all these different platforms that people can just kind of communicate better Um, it is more efficient than maybe an email meeting speed and things like that so they're trying to bring back into to kind of tap into the employees and connect with them on more of a personal level Um, I know there's still you know the fine line of personal versus business but they are still trying to give back to their employees make them feel valued make them feel appreciated what tools are you know their employees asking doing more surveys what do their employees want to see more of what do they like? What do they dislike? Long time, you know, before then it was just kind of, hey, you're going to do this because I said it was and go have fun. We never really asked for that two-way communication back and forth between the employees and the business owners or executive team. Yeah, no, that's a, an interesting uh, one there. And many of our strategic vendors, we communicate with them through pli- private Slack channels. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's better than going back and forth over email. Uh, it includes everybody in a room in a discussion, so you don't have to worry did Bob get left off of this email thread about this important thing that he should have seen? If it's you're getting centralizing your communication into something like a Slack channel, then everyone who's working with that vendor on that account will be able to see all of the the activity there, and you won't have those gaps in communication that cause quality problems or um, confusion or get people's feelings hurt. Correct. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, anything from you? Thoughts on, on how you've seen stuff? change in these accounts over the last decade? I would say that there's a major uh, increase in the rate of change, right? And, and uh, what's happening is there's uh, increasingly overwhelm in uh, the change and the uh, information overload. And so there's also a, an increase in curiosity in uh, looking at innovation and uh, a holistic approach. You know, I, I personally saw this holistic approach, people-centric approach coming years and years ago. And uh, that was, that's always been part of the core philosophy of TechQuery. Uh, but but un- the underlying denominator behind every single one of these problems is a human being, no matter where you look at it. I don't care if it's mobile app development, uh, system integration, you know, security. There is the biggest problem is the human element behind everything. And so I'm passionate about how that is uh, potentially not looked at and how it needs, we need to raise awareness around that element and, and, and tie in emotional intelligence and teamwork and all of these things and, and really self-reflection and, and reflecting on painful situations to help things be fixed correctly at a core root cause level so that things flow more efficiently when you implement technology to amplify the benefits, right? Versus impl- you know amplify the negative effect. But I would say that uh, also technologies bringing people closer together and giving them the human that core need of connection and purpose. Yeah. So with that that connection of 
mission and purpose and this holistic approach. I think we'll we'll talk uh, in more detail uh, after our bottom of the hour break for news, traffic, and weather coming up here shortly uh, about that holistic approach, about some of the digital transformation. As we we head into that break, it, it's, it sounds like with this holistic approach and with matching up uh, people with customers and their needs and their problems, uh, there's some magic to that because it, it somebody that may be a, a perfect fit uh, in a, one area won't necessarily be the right person to uh, go get involved uh, in servicing another client or working for another business. Absolutely. Uh, what are the, the biggest challenges? Do you have a top, top three as, as you're looking to match people up with teams and culture fit? Really, it's the uh, it, it's really this, the team dynamic, the team dynamic, the culture of the organization, and um, but it all boils down to the human element. So, really, it, it's just understanding and having the time from a busy leadership perspective to be able to to really understand and, and get the time with them to find out the dynamic of their organization, what they're trying to solve, and then locating people in a market that is overly saturated with the jobs and there's not enough candidates right and so if, if a client comes to us and says, hey we need a uh, we need to hire somebody or we need a project done um, every environment is different and so these candidates right now they have a lot of opportunity out there and everybody every market is different but not everybody is is paying the, the going rates some people are trying to push two roles into one and so it's uh, you first have to be able to understand what the real opportunity is and not everybody cares about the money. They may think that they care about the money, but they really care more about opportunity and growth and career path and this type of stuff because nobody wants to be pigeonholed. So uh, realistic, realistic is just being able to get the time to f really understand the needs and then have the time with the candidate to be able to ma make that perfect match to come in and uh, and get the job done so, so it's in harmony. And I just wanted to add to that. Sometimes we get into organizations and they say that they need this, this maybe it's a purple squirrel person, right, that does four different jobs. We kind of understand where they're coming from, what are some of their pain points, acknowledging those, and then realizing they may be trying to throw a person at something that a person can't fix. So potentially it's a... Um, a, a solution that could be done within, you know, three months versus one person that's a purple squirrel that may not even exist trying to work at it for two years. So we definitely do see a lot of that. And again, it just kind of goes back to understanding their pain points. And, you know, what are you trying to solve with this person? Are you throwing a person at a problem that that problem may be too big for them to solve? Yeah, I mean, on the, the, the compensation one, a conversation I have with, with folks very often, uh, is a, a, a thing I call the money fun dial. And so if you yeah. have this dial at 100% fun and 0% money, those things are called hobbies. We all have them. We all do them. And we don't get paid for them. Sometimes they even are, it's minus 20% money. This hobby costs you money. Uh, you still do it. And then all the way over the other side of the, the dial, uh, there's that uh, uh, is 100% money, 0% fun. So this is you just work the whole time for the most money possible. And then when you get home from work, you curl up in a little ball and cry until you go back to work the next morning. I don't think anyone wants that job. So when everyone says, I want to get paid more, they want to get paid more while still able to enjoy their life, have fun and have some balance there. Most people want to be in the middle of that money fund dial at 50, 50. I get to have fun in my life. I get to have fun at work and I have some energy left still outside of work to go do other things. Um, uh, 
and they want a chance to wake up and look in the mirror in the morning and believe that they're going to be successful today. Like no one uh, wakes up and looks in the mirror and goes, today I look forward to going to work and miserably failing at everything I'm going to do. Yes. Uh, yeah. Something to make them feel valued and appreciated. Like they matter and they're giving, you know, they're adding to a bigger picture, understanding that bigger picture. Most definitely, you know, dollars, we all need to pay our bills and, and make money and feel valued that way and compensated correctly, but also more of the bigger picture of what are they adding to So we're going to take a quick break here for news, traffic, and weather update on 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we will be back with Javier and Bethany from Tech Quarry. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about their holistic operations approach to technology problems inside of business. CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And I'm uh, joined this week by Javier and Bethany from Tech Quarry. Uh, if you uh, just tuned in here after that news traffic and weather update, uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this program on Tuesday, July 17th. They all go up on our website on Tuesday after our weekend broadcast. Uh, you can also catch all of our past programs where we've uh, talked about everything from uh, Cyber Patriot programs from middle schools all the way through to uh, scary weaponized drones uh, and all sorts of cybersecurity for industrial control systems. And uh, what is a drop test? That was one that came up during the break of uh, we were uh, having a chat about what are some of the things that folks certainly should have learned uh, over the last couple of years if you've been listening to CyberTalk Radio uh, and uh, joining us here on the program. If there are topics that we have not covered, uh, you can uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I was just asking uh, one of my producers if we, we had anything to give folks for uh, the best ask or new topic suggestion. Uh, we don't yet, but I uh, would love to get some T-shirts made. So if you have a, a topic suggestion or an idea uh, and uh, you reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook and we um, get that going for the program, uh, we will get in contact with you and get you a t-shirt. So thank you uh, for being part of the audience out there and uh, helping us make sure that we're getting relevant content for you. So before the break, uh, Javier, we talked about uh, some stuff high level at your holistic approach, the different way to approach uh, IT, which is not just to come in and and that you had uh, learned from your time in medicine, where it's like you can come in, you can see a symptom, you can just fix the symptom and then move on, but then you didn't actually cure the root cause of the problem. You didn't look at it and address it in a, a comprehensive way. So uh, for for folks, uh, let's go deep here on this this holistic view. So what does a whole, I mean, holistic just mean overall uh, to you? Uh, and then how does that matter and turn into something that, that ties into technology? So if you use the medical analogy, let's, uh, let's imagine a tree, a tree with its roots, you know, into the ground. And then you have the trunk that come that grows up from the roots and you have the leaves. You know, one of the things that I identified in the medical industry is that a lot of times we're treating the symptoms. And if, you know, you feed something to an organism or something, right, you're feeding the roots and the symptoms or the issues or disease will manifest within the leaves. 
And a lot of times we put a Band-Aid on the leaves, right? So we may take an aspirin. We may do something like this, which in a sense, that's the equivalent of you driving down the road and your oil light comes on. And instead of checking out and diagnosing the problem, you cut the wires that makes that oil light come on, right? Oil so light's off. <laughs> a bigger problem, a bigger systemic problem and a breakdown is going to happen if you don't get to the root of the problem, right? So we're interested in getting to the root problem. And in order to do that, you really need to ask questions and find out what is the overall overreaching goal of the organization from a high level, from a systemic level, but then also go from end to end and talk to the end client, talk to the users, talk to, you know, different areas of the organization and, and find and diagnose, you know, where are the, where's the pain coming from, right? And, and then not just treating the symptom by plugging in another technology that may cause another issue in another department or or something else, right? And so that's the, the methodology is really trying to get to the root cause and really focusing on the methodology that the, the companies of the future that are going to be successful, they're really going to take into account the culture of their organization, their people, right? You hear people say that, you know, people are your greatest asset and this kind of stuff, but nobody, you know, a lot of people don't always... It's rare that words match, match accidents. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, not to, you know, lay any blame, but but it's a team effort. And, and uh, but really the philosophy of when decisions are made or, or things are being done, we look at it from the organizational uh, benefit as a whole, from the community, for the world, for the U.S., where, however you want to look at it, and really making decisions based and aligned with that and, and very principles-led, values-led, and really you know approaching things from a three-pronged approach of hol holistic operations, innovation, and and also digital transformation right because things are evolving so quickly that we need to be able to evolve and, and transform the organization or else a smaller nimble more innovative company is going to come in and take the market share yeah yeah so as i hear you talking about holistic operations so uh one of the the things i think technology's been famous for is work shifting so uh, you'll you'll have a department. Let's say that that department is accounting, and that accounting department's responsible for uh, processing expense reports and getting those into payroll so that people can get their expenses reimbursed. And before, it used to be really easy for the empl other employees. They would drop off a big pile of receipts to the accounting department, and the accountants had to scan all those themselves, and they had to put them into the system, and they had to match all the dollar amounts and do all of that. And that accounting department, in order to become more efficient themselves, uh, rolled out a, an expense reporting software. And now all the employees have to scan all their own receipts and put it all in. And then the accountant just goes through a double check and then checks it. So now that technology made the accounting team much more successful. They, they Their productivity went way up, but it shifted a bunch of work out into other areas of the organization. Now other people are doing expense reports. Maybe they're not as good at it. Maybe they're not as detailed. And maybe they make typos all the time because they don't have the, the traits that make them a successful accountant. Um, and it, it's systems like that where I wonder, did it actually make the company more efficient or not? And that really, that's really where you have to look at the overall reaching goal of the organization and be able to, you know, in a sense, transform, measure, learn, and, and be really agile in a sense of, you know, you don't just make not just making changes and not measuring the results, right? But but at the first is taking a step back and really what is the organization trying to accomplish? What are the pain points? You know, Ray Dalio in, in Principles, that's a new book that came out recently, you know, he talks about pain plus reflection equals progress, right? But if you have the pain and you don't reflect on it from a systemic level, from an individual level, and then take action to 
to try and improve it and, and, and along the way measure what, it, you know, has it improved or has it regressed or digressed, then, you know, you're not going to know if you're making progress or not. And, and so really it's being aligned with the overall mission, the priorities of the organization, and then, you know, spreading that out through the actual individuals and, and see what the results are. Yeah. In an agile perspective. So w- without breaking anyone's confidence, do you have some a- examples of where this went well? Like this process, this approach. Uh... I can give an example that's uh, going on right now and I can't really disclose too much, but but ultimately it's uh, any of these a past example, right? That'd be better, right? Yes. So a past example is, you know, going into an organization that had multiple departments uh, and there's some, there's some, some big issues there and there's there's some big issues that a lot of organizations uh don't want to name any names uh, but not that we're perfect either right everybody yeah as soon as, you, as soon as you have two people in a room there's a disagreement as soon as you have three people they might actually start talking about the disagreement with two often people yeah. will just hide it so yeah <laughs> yes. in, a, in a in companies different departments are gonna have different priorities and they're gonna have disagreements absolutely and, and you know i'm glad you mentioned that because one of our philosophies and this is actually one of ray dalio's philosophies too is radical transparency right and and you know a lot of times these companies and probably all, all the time these companies at the executive level they're getting in board reads and, and they're hashing things out right they're they're being transparent they're they're not playing games they're not having on masks and they're they may be getting to uh, getting into arguments but they're doing it for the benefit of the whole they're doing it for the benefit of the entire organization to accomplish the goals and so you know it's good to have those hard discussions in a professional way for the better good right of everybody uh, but one example would be you know, there's a lot of instances out there where there may be an ERP system that's implemented within our organization. And maybe not everything was really thought out properly. And there was a very good salesperson that come in and sold this ERP system and said, this is the exact square that you can just fit it into that square hole in your organization. And it's going to fix everything across the board. Right. And, and it's, it's very rare that a solution is going to fix every single department and across a, a, an entire organization if if anyone's rolled one out where everything is fixed and everyone is completely happy with an erp solution um, not only will i buy you a, a cyber talk radio t-shirt i'll buy you a new car uh, so if you're <laughs> listening here and you've got an erp solution you're like everything is perfect we don't want to change anything on it it's going to be perfect forever this was just great yeah yeah i mean no because they they didn't they didn't get and have those conversations up front with all the departments someone got left out exactly and and it's you know there's not always the discussion of bringing in the culture element of it how is it going to affect the culture of the organization how is it going to affect the human how is it going to trigger their emotional responses and are they going to resist it because with change it's human nature to resist in physics it's human nature if you put uh, amount of pressure on this table the physics will push back the equal amount of pressure right and so that that carries over into the human nature and uh so what i equate it to is when those things aren't taken into account it's almost like trying to like from a medical perspective dig up an old skeleton and saying this skeleton is going to fix your body and transplanting it into the body well all of your white blood cells and everything are going to attack that skeleton and different organ systems are going to shut down and those could be in a sense the different departments there's people are going to resist it they're going to be talking negatively about it and they're going to be frustrated what starts to degrade the culture from the inside out because people weren't on board with the change management. Uh, so that that's one, you know, solution that uh, it, there's there's different ways through digital transformation to come in and fix some of these these areas with maybe some low code solutions, some mo- a modular approach to be able to come in and 
easily with the help of systems that have artificial intelligence and machine learning tied into them already that a, a normal business owner can come in and make adjustments from a almost a drag and drop perspective. They don't need to know how to code. These systems can come in here and help with these things smooth out and customize them for each individual department, which could help take process digitally and help uh, things fl flow much more efficiently. And, and so there's different approaches. Every organization is different, but this is one example of how things can be fixed. But, you know, we don't like going into organizations and, and if they say, well, we want to come in and get this ERP implemented, we don't just want to come in and do it. We want to come in and find out why do they want to implement it? You know, what is driving the decision making? Who are all the stakeholders involved? You know, what are all the pain points so that if we feel that maybe there may be a better solution, we want to talk about the different options and make sure that we're covering all the bases because that reflects on us if we just come in and take an order and do it without doing our due diligence. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's one uh, for sure where we see these go wrong all the time across whatever industry it is. Is You you go into the car repair and say, hey, I've got uh, uh, an oil leak on my head gasket, and they change the head gasket, but then you, you also had three other oil leaks on there, and those didn't get addressed, so you're still leaking oil when you drive out of the auto shop. As you, you go... Um, and address one of the things you, you brought up about technology change or just people and change in general. Uh, we, we had had the conversation where um, before the break that folks want to wake up and be successful at their job every day. And if they know the current process and they're good at it and they can go through that process, even if it's not efficient, they at the end of the day, they feel successful when they left. They went through, they nailed it. They took steps one through 37, they got them done and they were productive. If this new process with technology is uncomfortable, um, they're not sure that they can learn it, they're not sure that they can do it as well as they do the existing process, then they're going to be apprehensive to it, even if it's going to make their life better at the end of the day. Uh, and so we see this uh, all over the place is that that human element of technology. It's not that the technology is failing. It's not the technology didn't improve the process. It's that you folks didn't take an approach like Javier's talking about where you incorporate people and the process and their feelings into the rollout of the technology so that they do learn the new steps. They do get to the point where they have the same confidence with the new, more efficient way with the existing process. Uh, process that maybe was not as good or um, didn't deliver things to their customers in the as timely of a manner as this they can now with a tech enabled uh, way to communicate messages out or wherever that technology is getting adopted into the business no I totally agree with you um, regarding that and it goes you know goes back to a lot that we've discussed currently of acknowledging that they have a lot of institutional knowledge that's what I'm gonna call it right yes you you know this system you know this company inside and out and that is so valuable right making them feel appreciated valuable bam number one right they automatically their fear is gonna go down a little bit um, and then trying to help them understand the end goal or the end result and how you're gonna hold their hand and walk by them to get to that until you know they do understand this process and they do um, see the big picture because a lot of times, you know, I'm going to go ahead and bring up this topic is when that, you know, going back to your accountant scenario, here that you're going to implement this system, they automatically get scared and they're like, oh my gosh, this system's going to replace me. Yeah. When 
you still do need the human aspect of it. You really do. The two combined are much more effective and efficient than just one without the other. So, you know, addressing that concern in any way that they may feel it, helping them to move past that to understand that this is going to help you be more effective, help you be more innovative, um, help you be more efficient at the end of the day and do your job better. You know, that usually kind of helps a lot going back to the, you know, addressing the fear, making them feel valued and appreciated would, would be key components there. You know, I think you uh, made some good points there. So, you know, one of the, the points that I wanted to bring up here is, is uh, Amazon, right? So Amazon has been very successful. And, you know, a lot of people are like, man, they're going to like take over the world. Well, Amazon discovered that, you know, humans are very effective and, and they can do very good things. Robots or artificial intelligence are very effective. They can do very good things. But when you put a human and a robot together, or a human and artificial intelligence together, they're like something in the area of 80% more productive, right? And that's why Amazon is blowing up because because they're they're leveraging this intelligence to be able to do things more effectively. And so fear is a big problem in the world and we all have fear at varying, various levels. And um, you know, if you look at the core human needs, the core human, some of the biggest core human needs are they want to have some sort of purpose. They want to make a contribution. They want to be secure, right? Whether that be financial security, relationship security, right? They, they want to feel that way and they want to feel appreciated. And so what if we could approach different areas, um, whether it be from hiring or whatever, if, if understanding that new hire or understanding that employee and what their goals are and what they want to do, Right. And then helping them to leverage the organization as a vehicle to get what they want, whether it be out of a career, out of life or all of the above. And, um, you know, we're, we're passionate about that. And ultimately, when people feel appreciated and they feel like they're making a contribution and they have a say within their organization, they're much more fired up about doing a good job because they feel appreciated. They don't feel like they're just like some, you know, br brick in a wall and they're just pushing buttons. Right. And, and being barked, barked at for different orders. Right. Everybody makes mistakes. So. I'm not saying you can't, you know, reprimand your employees and stuff, but, but, uh, but ultimately they want to feel that value, and and that drastically improves organizations. So if you look at companies like LinkedIn and and uh, stuff like that, they have different philosophies, like alliance philosophy, and and this is something that we're passionate about. Is that, you know, when they're bringing on people onto the team, they they find out what they want, what are their core values, what do they want, what is their career path, and they map it out for them, and they say, okay. We're going to give you what you want over this you know, one or two year period. And then we expect this from you in return. And if over this one or two year period, you're not happy, well, come to us and let us know. Be transparent about it. And we'll try to adjust your tour of duty, they call it. Right. So uh, and then they say, if we can't do that, then we're going to help you get somewhere where you can. You can go to PayPal, you can go to Google, whatever. Right. But ultimately, they don't want somebody there collecting a paycheck that is unhappy because then they become an issue within the organization and it spreads. And there's a reason that 70% of the US population uh, is not engaged at work. It's because they don't feel valued, they don't feel like they're making a contribution, they don't feel like they are have a say-so. So how much efficiency and how much better production could these organizations do? How good could they make their shareholders feel or their clients feel, whatever, if they increase their productivity even by 50% of that 70%, right? So statistically, if you think about organizations, imagine every organization here in town, 70% of their employees are not engaged at work. Yeah. That's a huge problem. And it's a huge, the human, common denominator is a human. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, 
it's big. And as folks go to roll change out inside of organizations, uh, they they make um, what I consider a, a big mistake uh, is they'll go pick their highest performing team and they'll roll the change out with that team first. And that highest performing team is the most apprehensive to change because they've got their goals, they've got their targets, they're crushing all of them. They don't want anything to change. They're doing a great job right now. It's actually easier to roll change out to a team that is missing all of their targets, missing all of their deadlines, missing all their goals because none of those folks are going home at the end of the day feeling valued, feeling like they're doing a good job. They're getting told all the time that they're failing. So if you go, here's this new thing that we believe can fix the problems that you have, those folks are going to be like, how do I learn this new process? How do I do this new thing so that I can have a chance to be successful? Uh, so, yeah, it's a yeah, change management trick. Don't start with the highest performing team. Uh, you, you're going to need to get them on board, uh, but you find one of your teams that's missing targets. And, and if you're rolling out a multi-team or multi-departmental change, uh, start with one of the ones struggling first. Uh, yeah, it's a, it, Graham Weston, who's um, been a, one of the founders of Rackspace and um, a businessman here in San Antonio now, he was on the phone with Fred Reichelt, who came up with, with NPS, and the, he they were having a conversation, and Fred said something, and Graham said, can I quote that, and can it be my quote? And it was roughly along the lines of everyone wants to be a valued member of a winning team on an inspiring mission. Uh, yeah, and I think that. that summarizes uh, stuff very well. So you can peel back the onion in a few questions there is um, like asking employees, are you inspired by the mission we're on as a company? If you're not inspired by the mission that the company is on, no matter what else is happening there, they're never going to be truly fulfilled in that. And then do they know what winning looks like for their team? And you'll ask this question and you will find out you get a whole wide variety of answers that are not what the manager thinks winning is and definitely not what the manager's boss thinks winning is. Um, and then do you feel like with your role and your job function on that team, uh, do you bring value to that team? And you'll find some folks will really struggle um, in saying, yes, I bring value and here's what my value is. Some folks just feel like they're overhead on the team. They feel like, I don't know now that I know what winning looks for our, for our team. I don't actually spend any of my time working on the stuff that gets us towards winning as a team. Uh, so you, you'll going through that end up with a, a lot of um, valuable uh, conversations to try to get from that thirty percent or less employee engagement up to seventy percent or up higher and beyond. But they're uh, awkward and scary questions for a lot of folks to have. I agree. I agree, and, and you know that's. You know, one of the main reasons that we are passionate about this philosophy is that, you know, we can go in and, and carry out a turnkey solution or implement a turnkey solution. But if the people don't adopt it, you're not going to get what you need out of it. The people are driving everything within organizations. And so if you cut out the culture, you cut out the needs of the people and you're not properly helping to transform their paradigms of what needs to be done and why it needs to be done and make them feel contributed, you're not gonna get the most out of the solution. And you know, some, some don't like to go there because they know it's difficult. Well, we feel it's important and that we, it's something that we stand by because it's valuable for our clients and we would be doing them a disservice if we don't look at that. And uh, that's another cut, I just drew a complete blank, but uh, so to add to that, um, going through and us, you know, sometimes us coming in and working with these, you know, you kind of call them failing teams in a sense. Uh, a lot of times their manager or their manager's boss has kind of 
you know, beat on them so much. They're so worn down at this point. Having a new outside person coming in to go through some of their, you know, understanding some of their pains, potentially giving them some tools to have some quick wins to escalate them is is a it's it's a breath of fresh air sometimes to them because you know they they have been kind of torn down so much so it's just a new look on things and can sometimes go over well yeah and i think everyone uh, hopefully maybe you played some sports as a kid or if you played on the playground and if you, you went and did that and you lost every day over and over and over those teams inside of your company that are missing targets every quarter they're missing goals every day they're missing deadlines every day they feel like we all felt like when we were kids on the playground where you just weren't winning at that thing. You just want to stop. Like, there's a reason I don't play basketball anymore. I'm not that good at it. So from a transformational perspective or viewpoint, if you, some of you have, I'm sure a lot of you have read a book called Built to Last, right? It, it, back in the day in, at Texas Instruments, they had to lay off a bunch of great people, scientists. Well, 3M came in and hired up a bunch of these very smart people. They had no idea what they were going to do with them. They just hired a bunch of good people and they stuck them in a room and they said, go do something. They started inventing stuff everywhere, right? And so as technology evolves and as the landscape you know, increases in change, it's very difficult to take a step back and slow down because we're tasked with so many projects to do. But if we can begin to free up time for our employees, Every single one of our employees has creative genius within them, but if they don't have time to stop and think and smell the roses or take a vacation, those, those creative ideas don't come out to benefit the organization. Well, thank you both very much for joining us on Cyber Talk Radio. If you uh, just turned on 1200 WAI, we're uh, talking with uh, Bethany and Javier from Tech Quarry. Uh, you can uh, listen to the rebroadcast of this uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday. July 17th.